Welcome to the Underline Podcast. Underline seeks to embolden and equip those who have been called to a life of service. We strive to create a community where iron can sharpen iron, and believers will boldly live out their faith as lions. All right, thanks for joining us at the End of the Lion podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Jonah. But before we dive into the story of Jonah, uh, Josh, you want to tell the listeners what ETL's got going on? Uh, May is going to be pretty exciting as well as June. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have May 9th, we have a, we- a webinar with Victor Marks. And uh, I, we're so stoked to be able to host Victor Marks and do this webinar. Um, kind of blew our minds when, when he agreed to do this. Um, but this is a really cool opportunity, I think, is if you haven't heard of Victor Marks, just take a minute to Google him. Um, just an incredible example of, of what it looks like to live out um, faith, uh, a fearless faith, a man who has the boldness and courage of a lion. Like he probably could be our logo um, if we wanted to change that. Um, but, you know, a traumatic childhood uh, that he overcame, joined the Marine Corps uh, after serving. Um, he's now a high-risk humanitarian and uh, has been all over the world, um, some, some really dangerous places, some dark places, rescuing widows and orphans. And he's coming to our webinar to share with us in a small setting. And so what's really cool and what's different about just listening to him on a podcast or YouTube is that you're going to be able to interact with him and um, ask questions, go back and forth. So that's really cool. And then we have a a few other webinars that are in the works as well um, with some really big names that we'll be introducing soon, um, which again, we're really excited about. Just really cool to see how God has just been bringing people in um, to to bless us and uh, bless this community. Um, So on top of the webinars, we also have um, our Bible study continuing, our book study going on. And um, I'm trying to think, am am I missing anything, Billy? Um, I feel no, like there's I been so much the past two three yeah. weeks. <laughs> it's been a cascade of different things. We also, uh, if you're a member, we did adjust our membership. Uh, that was an email that was sent out by Josh to just update, uh, what that's going to look like. And that can be found on our website as well at enterline.co. Uh, so if be on the lookout for that kind of stuff, but I think you got everything other than that, Josh. Appreciate it. Let's hurl ourselves into the story of Jonah. Did you get that second? Uh, I kind of glazed over the first Jonah pun, but that was the second. Did you get it? I, I got it. Okay. It was pretty good. I, I liked it. All right. Never mind. Fine. All right. <laughs> you, you know what? This is uh for everyone who's everyone who's listening, we already recorded this podcast, but Billy didn't hit record. So this is the second oh, okay. time I've had to hear these puns, and they're just less funny than the first time. So I actually <laughs> Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Well, look, you can you can show me compassion, just like God showed compassion to Jonah. Another good tie-in right there for you. All right, so first off, um, so Jonah, we're getting into Jonah. Interesting book of the Bible, all right, this minor prophet. He teaches us a lot about God's character uh, as, as, as well as how we might respond to God, right? So through the charge that he received from, from God. Uh, actually, some pretty extraordinary events. But ultimately, we want to answer the question, like, how can we as Christians live out the lessons we learned from Jonah and the big fe- fish that, like, vomits him out? So, Josh, like, were you ever told the story of Jonah when you were a kid? Indeed, I was. Yeah, who, who told you that story? I know the answer, but I just want to hear you uh, say it again. I, I have no idea. I mean, we were, we were joking. I mean, I, I always remember the Veggie Tales episode. 
Um, you know, that's, that's stuck with me. So that's, uh, kind of deep theological roots there in my understanding of the story. <laughs> nothing better than a piece of broccoli telling you about the Bible. Right. Um, nothing, not, nothing, knocking against veggie tales. All right. Good stuff. But Josh, so what, what, from that story, what stuck out to you, to you the most about the story of Jonah? Um, I guess, I guess a few things is one, um, my initial reading of Jonah, my initial reaction towards Jonah is kind of like hostility, like what a moron. Um, but very quickly after reading it, you kind of start to identify with Jonah and realize that in a lot of ways I'm Jonah. I see myself in, in, in him. Um, and two, you just see God's mercy, um, God's mercy on Jonah and God's mercy on Nineveh, um, which I know you're going to get into, but I think those two key, uh, elements are kind of what really stuck out to me. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, that's, it's good, insightful stuff, taking a look, taking a look at yourself and realize like, right, I have a lot more, a lot more similarities to Jonah, um, than you might think. A lot of people get caught on the big fish, which I'm not gonna lie, like the big fish is pretty cool. Um, cause God appointed a giant <laughs> fish to swallow somebody. It doesn't happen very often. Um, not to glaze over that. A, a lot a of water dog, a big old water dog. Uh, it's funny cause so I didn't realize in preparation for this, this episode, um, reading about a couple more studies on Jonah, apparently there was a debate. I was too stupid to understand that there was even a debate about whether it was a parable or allegory. So Josh, I don't know if you're, are you tracking what an allegory is? Like an, like an, uh, an analogy or like a story. Yeah. So it is a story, right? But like both of these things, an allegory and a parable are both stories meant to teach somebody a lesson, right? But sure. an allegory, it's, it's a little bit more, um, I guess intellectual, it's not like a straight up, like the parable of the sower. That's just, that's a story used to teach you a lesson, but it is legitimately on the face value. It's what you're supposed to be focusing on. An allegory is a, you learn lessons through a story, but the characters and the events that happen are, they resemble or they are um, depictions of a greater understanding or a different thing. So it's a little bit more like a story. It's like a, almost an inception, right? Story within the So story. like veggie tales, basically. Are you back to the vegetables again? <laughs> you got to keep it simple for me. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So bottom line, either way, it's a didactic story. Um, and didactic is just a story. It's something meant to instruct other people. I said, really looking at like the, before we jump into the didactic story, another big word I had to, to Google, um, uh, when I was doing the study, let's just summarize real quick. Cause it's only four chapters, short book, right? So chapter one, Jonah receives a commission and flees. Um, there's a storm that happens. He gets hurled overboard. Um, cue in my awesome pun from earlier. And the great fish swallows him. Right, chapter two, Jonah prays while in the fish. Fish vomits him out. Chapter three, Jonah goes to Nineveh and prophesies to them. Nineveh turns from their ways. Chapter four, Jonah points out or pouts and gets, uh, gets angry at the Lord's compassion. So what character traits of God stand out to you in the story of Jonah, Josh? I think the the main two is one, um, we were actually just reading um, Acts 11 and Peter's talking about how um, you, you can't stand in God's way. And I think you see that in Jonah, right? Like God's will will be done. Jonah could not stop that. Um, and then two, you see God's mercy and, and how he has grace on Jonah and then also his mercy on, on Nineveh. Okay. Uh, grace on Nineveh. So Nineveh, another thing about Nineveh, um, it was it was on I think it was like I want to say 500 kilometers away from where Jonah was, 
So I don't know, I'm not saying that that's why Jonah fled and didn't want to do the commission because it was a little far or execute what God was calling him to do. But that would have been definitely like a hindrance because the dude's just walking on his shovel legs, right? It's like his feet on sandals. So uh, it was pretty far. And it was also a city that was known for uh, worshiping uh, God or goddess um, of that, that celebrated like sex and um, sex and power is what they worship this goddess with that, that they, they worship. Mm-hmm. So it's like they did all kinds of, of, of stuff in Nineveh. Uh, and also it was a, an Assyrian city, I believe, uh, at the time, who, was, who had been ruling over Israel. So you can imagine Jonah's hesitation to want to go and like right. prophesy to them, right? Right. Like, I mean, it's like, I, I think we may have mentioned it or you've heard this analogy. It's like, uh, if God told you like, hey, I want you to go uh, take a boat ride to uh, you know the Middle East and you're going to be going to uh, minister the Taliban like, or you know, uh, uh, ISIS. Yeah like uh negative you know what i mean like right i mean even even you josh i mean i, I know you had a couple chases chasing people down but like imagine somebody who tried to kill you and then you lock them up you take them take them down to you know wherever you guys you know the precincts whatever you got them and god's like hey i want you to minister to that person that just tried to kill you what would you think i mean that, it's tough but i mean it's it's also like that's a i mean that's that's what Christ's love is all about. Right. I mean, like, yeah. uh, what a reflection of Christ's love. And I, and I think you, we see Jonah and I, and I see, um, and I, and I understand his, um, kind of animosity towards the Ninevites in a way, because I've been guilty of it myself and working in a really big urban city. That's, that's high crime. Um, you know, it, it, shameful to admit, but we can kind of demonize, um, not demonize, sorry, dehumanize, right, is the more right. proper word, dehumanize, um, some of the subjects we encounter. So like, you know, the, the drug dealers or, um, the drug users calling them junkies or just, you know, um, right. after a while you just kind of get this bad taste in your mouth because you're fighting these people, they're resisting you and they make, <laughs> um, it just doesn't make your life very easy and cause you a lot of stress. And just, you know, after a while that initial, like wanting to make things better, wanting to help just kind of turns into, um, you're jaded, right. You're disgusted. You're just tired of them and you can easily think that you're above them and that you're worth more, you know, and that's a slippery slope. A lot of cops can go down and I've been there myself. So like, you know, initially reading that you're like, ah, Jonah, what an idiot. Why wouldn't you go to Nineveh? But then it's like, you know, like, I get it because I there's I've had Ninevehs that I don't want to go into and I'm just like you know what I'd rather not like let the city burn you know what I mean like right 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 but definitely I, I was just thinking about this uh, we were on a range a couple days ago and these are students like these these were these are students that were trying their well I don't know if they're all trying their hardest don't get me wrong but um, you know it's like they're running this range we're doing this thing it's training exercise and I remember getting so mad at a kid. There's this, he wouldn't get, he wouldn't look at microtrain. He refused to, to like actually get in the prone behind a piece of microtrain. So I remember I was steaming. I was so mad. I, I went over, uh, you know, I, I let the student know that they were wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. Very uh, kind and loving. Yes. Way. Very loving way. Yeah. And yeah. I just remember thinking, I was like, man, that was, I probably could have addressed that a little bit with a little bit more compassion. Right. So we see compassion and, yeah, it is tough. It's something we see throughout the, the whole book of Jonah, right? The first God's compassion for the Ninevites. And then it's one that's, that I didn't really, I kind of overlooked was the, the sailors. So like Jonah wants to flee. So he gets this commission from God and he goes, Hey, I'm, I'm going to bail, not going to do this. So 
which is funny because he's a prophet, right? He's a minor prophet. And so he thinks he can escape God by getting on a ship to, to Tarsus, um, which is like modern day Spain is where they believe that was mm-hmm. pretty much on the other side of the Mediterranean. So he goes on the ship and you know, this great storm, God, God sends the winds against it and this great storm happens. The sailors are freaking out. They're throwing all this cargo off the, over the ship. They don't want to send people over the ship. They're not trying to, they're not that desperate yet. But then they freak out. They have everybody cast lots. They're like this has, the storm is so great. It has to be the work of the gods. We have to be out of favor with somebody. Whose fault is it, right? So they all, you know, they, they find Jonah before that. He's sleeping in the, in the hull of the ship. They bring him up. They cast lots. Jonah's, sure enough, it falls on him. And they all question him, right? And Jonah's right, sleeping in the hull of the ship, just on, minding his own business, not trying to tell people about God at all, right? Like he's trying to flee. So he's trying to keep a low profile. They call him out and ask him like, hey, who are you? Who do you serve? Right? And he tells him. Like, it's almost like he's, it's forced that to, for him to tell him that like, yep, I am a prophet of, of Yahweh, the one true God. If you hurl me over the ship, this will all go away. Josh, you're the sailor at that point. What would you do? Getting chucked into the ocean. You're just going to throw him in. He told me to do it. Right. He told me. Um, if, you know, I, I would, I'm, I'm saying this you're now. Done. Yeah, but like I would be, you'd be over the, the side of the ship. If nothing else, I'd be like, okay, well, he, he said to do it. He'd right? be so off before he even finished his sentence. Right. And then it's like, okay, well, at least he's lighter. If it didn't work, at least we're still lighter. You know what I mean? Which is a terrible, probably bad thing to say. Um, but they actually have compassion on Jonah. So these pagan sailors don't want to throw him over the ship because they don't want to be responsible for his, his death. Um, and then they try and fight the storm. They try and row back to shore. They still can't make it. And then they kind of, it's like, all right, Jonah, you're right. Here you go. <laughs> they throw him mm-hmm. over and God appoints this, this big fish to swallow him up, which kind of speaks to the second thing you said, Josh, about God won't be stopped, right? right. So another, another theme that we see a uh, lesson to be learned from this story is God's sovereignty is power. Yeah. Uh, so definitely with the storm and the fish, but what else do you see in, in the story of Jonah? Where do we see God's sovereignty is power? We certainly see his um, control over creation, right? To be able to appoint a, a whale or a fish to swallow Jonah. And, and that's a miracle in and of itself. Yeah. I don't know the science behind that at all, <laughs> but then the fact that it, you know, then, delivers him to where he needs to go. You see, he's got sovereignty and uh, in a situation where, you know, being thrown overboard and you think about it, like you're being thrown overboard and you are in the water in a storm, you're drowning. And how many times in our lives have we felt that, you know what I mean? Where like, you feel like you're drowning, you feel like you're in the middle of the ocean. There's, there's no help, but like with God and his sovereignty and his power, that that help can come from anywhere. And that help can, can come from unexpected places and that help, you might not even know it's help when it's there. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure when Jonah saw that whale approaching and that whale opens its mouth, Jonah had no clue that that was his savior and that that was going to be his saving grace. He's just probably Uh, like thinking, yep, I deserve this one. Right. And I I also, I wondered, does, you know, of course God has a sense of humor because he created it. Right. But like, was there some humor in that where God's like, you know, God didn't bring him like a beautiful wooden ship filled with, you know, uh, you know, with fruits and vegetables for his ride. Like he put him in the belly of a whale. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's probably, I feel like God was, there's some funny things that happened later on in chapter four as well. It's just kind of, it's laughable. Now, of course, if, if I were Jonah, I wouldn't be laughing. I'd be, absolutely terrified. Right. Uh, one, cause I have 
even though as a Marine, I'm terrified of, I have a healthy respect for the ocean, let's say. Sure. Um, You've never been a good swimmer. I'm, I've worked on it. I'm, I'm still working <laughs> on it. It's, it's brutal. Like it's, it's hard to, hard to watch. I'm sure. Anyways. Um, so Jonah finds himself in the belly of the fish. Jonah as naturally, like as, as most people probably would start doing, right. Like, he prays. It's funny though. Cause like in his prayer, he doesn't apologize. At least I don't see any, you know, as I'm looking and reading these verses, I don't really see a, a whole lot of like, God, I'm so sorry. Like I will, I will, you know, I apologize for my actions. I tried to flee. I shouldn't have. I don't see that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, like the first verse, it just says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me and all your waves and your billows passed over me. So and he, he, and he, so he's just telling God like, yep, I called on you, you answered but you also, it's kind of like almost accusatory. Like for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. He knows that God did that. Like that was an mm-hmm. action taken by God. Again, it's funny because Jonah understands that God can control the sea and the, in the oceans. Yeah. But he still thinks that he can escape him. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of, it's, it's both awe inspiring, right. And also comforting because we know that yeah. God's in control, especially nowadays, right. With, with coronavirus and COVID and all that kind of stuff going on. It's easy to lose sight of that. Cause it's like, why is this happening? Yeah. Right? And it, to me, it's like, man, we're, we're, this is, this is tough. People don't, it's not like physically that difficult, but it's just uncertainty, right. That that's always going to yeah. breed uh, paralysis of some nature. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, how can, what kind of comfort can we draw from that, Josh, as like first responders, military, knowing that God is in control? I think that's, that's everything that, that gives us the freedom to, to operate um, in dangerous environments without fear. And, um, you know, if you really truly believe that God is sovereign uh, to that degree and you believe, then that, then that logic would then, you know, lead you to believe that, well, if God is, is that powerful and he's that mighty, he's that in control, then, you know, I'm basically bulletproof until it's time for me to go home. Right. Like we, we both love that book bulletproof by yeah. Chuck Holton, where he talks a lot about that. And, um, um, I think that was great for us as, as young guys, you going in the Marine Corps and maybe police, police work, but that, that perspective of, all right, God, like, you have a, a day and an hour. Um, I know from scripture that not a hair can fall from my head unless you allow it to, to happen. And so, um, you know, I, I can go do work on your behalf, whatever you call me to do, um, with the boldest and courage of a lion into the lion plug. Um, but I, I think like, uh, one of the things we've been talking a lot about, and you see this, a beautiful example of this way better than we could speak on is that movie free Burma Rangers, um, with the Eubank family. Great movie. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it, you have to see it. Uh, I think it's 20 bucks, but it's well worth it to, yep. to support them and what they're doing. But the brief summary of it is, is, um, you know, this family's over in Burma and I think, you know, they're going all over, uh, the world uh, to Iraq, to Syria, to, to these dark places. And they're going in doing these high risk humanitarian, um, efforts and, and rescuing, um, it's similar to Victor Marx's mission in, um, and, and you see their faith in like, you see these scenes where there's literally bullets flying all around them. There's RPGs flying past them and they, as a family are still going forward. And there's this one part that really stuck out to me where the, uh, 
the wife and I'm sorry, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Karen. Karen. Okay. Where Karen is talking and she's like, you know what? I, sometimes I wish we had a normal life back in the States, but the Holy Spirit's made it clear to us that it's safer for us to be in Iraq in, you know, one of the most dangerous places in the world than it would be for us to, to be back home in the States because that's where God wants us. And there's nowhere safer than God's will. So if God's will is for you to be on the front lines in the Marine Corps, if God's will is for you to be in supply, or if God's will is for you to be, you know, working in the prison system, that's where you need to be because that's the right. safest place for you to be. Yeah, it's kind of funny because and knowing that, it's, it seems like Jonah has an understanding of that, right? Like he, he's a prophet. He's a prophet of God. So he kind of understands that. Now, with that knowledge going forward, knowing that, okay, right, because there could have been some hesitation from Jonah, like I'm... Uh, you know, I'm I'm a Jewish guy going into Nineveh. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to prophesy and tell them that they need to turn from their ways. I might, you know, get decapitated. I might get flogged. I might, right? There's all those questions. So God, right. obviously sovereign, he's in control. The next thing we see in chapter three is one at the end of tail end of chapter two. Um, it says verse 10 and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I love that it uses the word vomit. I'm reading from ESV. So I just like mm-hmm. that he used vomit. Like he's disgusted at Jonah. It's like some disgusting thing that he spit up on the, like mm-hmm. disgusting turd. But um, <laughs> anyways, he, so <laughs> chapter three shows Jonah going to Nineveh. So he's like, all right, got it. Like God showed me he's sovereign. He's powerful. I'm going to Nineveh. I think for us, like as, as people, because we see Jonah goes into the city and supposedly it says that it's, um, you know, God says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and call out against the message and, uh, that I tell you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the whole word of, to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. So the city itself, um, it wasn't like, if you include the surrounding, um, suburbs type thing of Nineveh, it would be pretty, pretty big, uh, pretty mm-hmm. expansive. They, in the study Bibles and different articles and stuff that I read, like they don't think it was exactly, like it would have taken them just straight three days to walk the entire breath. But in his prophesying and going sure to make sure he, he hit everybody in that, he kind of blocked it off into three sections. But he goes, obviously he's being called from the Lord, somebody who just made you get swallowed by a fish. You would think, right? Like you'd want to prophesy, do some, do some good work, right? Like mm-hmm. you'd want to make sure that the message was clear. Jonah, yeah, he's just, I read it again. It's just like, Jonah, come on, dude. But it says in uh, verse four, Jonah just, he, he called out, he goes, yeah, four, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's it. Not like why you're going to be overthrown, yeah. not how you're going to be overthrown. Just 40 days, you'll be overthrown. It's like, all right, Jonah, that's a pretty, pretty bare bones prophecy. That's not really, doesn't give a lot to the Ninevites. So it's almost like you see this thing from Jonah, who's kind of a, kind of pouting a little bit and like kicking stone. He's like, all right, God, like I'm going to go prophesy, but I'm going to do the bare minimum. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, if you were Jonah in that case, I feel like, would, I feel like you'd give a little bit more on the prophesy, prophecy um, to the Ninevites. Or is that just me? I don't know. I mean, you, you'd think so, but again, it's like, how many times have I, you know, uh, shirked an opportunity to share the gospel or thought that somebody, you know, that, you know, uh, that soil is not ripe for 
uh, harvesting, whatever. So why even plant the seed? You know what I mean? Cause I wonder right. if Jonah was just like, I'm here, I'll do yeah. it. But it's cool to see how, and it's amazing to see how God uses, um, I, I don't know, minimal obedience or just, you know, minimal effort on Jonah's part right. for this whole city to turn. And it's like, man, like just the one sentence in, uh, that Jonah faithfully said, it's like he, he was obedient to say something, how God right. used that. And Jonah didn't know what God had been doing in the background in those people's hearts or God didn't, yeah. Jonah didn't know like how that soil was ripe for the harvesting and all Jonah needed to do was plant a seed. And so it's just cool to see like, well, you know, how, it, it, it's not on us, you know what I mean? When it comes to sharing the gospel or sharing our faith, it doesn't matter how articulate you are. It doesn't matter if you have the best argument, you know, uh, it talks about in Luke 12, I think it is that the Holy spirit will give you the words you need to say in those moments. So you don't need to fret over it. But like, right. it, it's like, you know, Jonah probably gave the worst gospel message or the worst, you know, evangelical speech there ever has been and a city was saved. So it just right. goes to show you, it's not on us, it's on God. Right. And before that, like is is at the time Assyria. So first off, Nineveh, um, it wasn't, it's probably like not the Assyrian king that was ruling over Nineveh. It's probably a lesser, um, a lesser king, somebody that mm-hmm. was, it was under the Assyrian king, but they are also experiencing famine. There was also an eclipse at the time. So there's a lot of things going on because through, like you said, Jonah's like piss poor. Well, I don't want to say piss poor. That's not fair. He did obey. He, he was obedient. He did obey. Right. Um, but not a very lackluster prophecy. Um, we see some great things happen out of the Ninevites. The Ninevites, um, it says in chapter three, verse six, the word reached the king of Nineveh and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn away from evil, from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? Maybe, who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so we may not perish. It's kind of funny because we see Jonah, right? Like not, you know, this big thing happened. Literally got swallowed by a fish, survived it, spit out, and he still didn't like put forth a whole bunch of effort. The Ninevites, mm-hmm. on the other hand, these supposed pagans, right? Like they were pagans, um, heard this this weak prophecy, and immediately like talk about Jonah's vice Ninevites reaction to God. It's all it's pretty unreal, right? Because they just had one sentence from a guy you know, who probably still had fish guts or whatever was in that fish, right? Like probably still hanging on him, probably stunk. And they hear this sentence and they're like, you know what? Like we and he decrees this thing and completely tells everybody, every man and beast not to, not to feed just on the hope that God will relent. Cause they understood that the power of God was, was whole. So like they took that one sentence and immediately changed their ways. Like that's the, the contrast between Jonah and the Ninevites is pretty, pretty unreal. You know, yeah. what do you think Jonah's response would have been? Cause like we, we have people like this, Josh, like, and like you said, you know, you're called to, to share God's word and to, to minister to people. But sometimes it's like, you know, what's right. And you, you just do it. Cause it's like, right, I know this is right to do, but your heart's not fully in it. Mm-hmm. And I am guilty of that 100% because when I know people who have you know, fought me every step of the way, or they know that I'm a Christian and they're always like, look, like they don't, don't, 
bother. Like, I don't believe it. I get it. It's good for you, but like, leave me alone kind of thing. And I get a little like, oh, man, that'll never happen. I think that to myself, like that, that seed mm-hmm. will never grow. Uh, but sure enough. And I think Nineveh, if anybody, that would have been a good person to look at and be like, that would have been an easy one to be like, yep, probably not going to happen. So I'm just going to do this. And I can think multiple times, you know, be it hard Marines, you've been around like an old crusty gunny that, uh, you know, has been in for, for 17 years and, you know, he's constantly got a cigarette in his mouth, whether he's inside or not. It's just not lit yet. You know, it's like, there are people that I've met where it's like, there's no way that I can minister. There's just no point. Right. So it's pretty awesome to see God's, God's grace towards the Ninevites after they repented. Yeah. Uh, and verse 10, chapter three says, when God saw what they did, how he, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. So not only do we see compassion throughout the story, and this is compassion towards Jonah in the beginning, right? Then now compassion mm-hmm. towards the Ninevites. Um, yeah. It's also a lot of, a lot of grace too, right? Uh, yeah. God's grace towards the Ninevites. But what do you think Jonah's reaction was, Josh? I mean, you would, you would think that he would be rejoicing, be like, wow, thank you, God. But obviously it's not really what you see in the story. Yeah. Do you remember what, he, what his reaction was? He was pissed. He like set up camp so he could watch the fireballs rain down in Nineveh. And he had like a nice elevated position and uh, he wasn't too thrilled when that didn't come true. Right. The first, the very first sentence in chapter four, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. <laughs> and he was angry and he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country that that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. So at first we're like, oh, maybe he didn't because he's afraid of what the Ninevites might do to him. Mm -hmm. But instead we find out that he just didn't want God because you imagine there's some type of oppression going on, right? Uh, As the Assyrians are in charge or in control of of, uh, the Israelites. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man he didn't want to do it because he knew God was going to forgive them or that right. God was full of grace. Right. I, it, like thinking about that, I was just reminded of another scene from free Burma Rangers that really kind of rocked me while we were watching it. And oh, yeah, the I think scene I know what you're to talk about. Yeah. yeah. It's really tough to watch there. He, um, Mike Eubank and um, the guy who's the head of free Burma Rangers is, is in Mosul and uh, in one of the villages in, in Iraq. And they've just helped, push out ISIS from this village. And so they're at this one particular house where there's a family okay. and the yeah, family. Should we say spoiler alert right now or? Yeah. Spoiler alert. Okay. There you go. Is that fair enough? Yeah. Fair. Sorry. Okay. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Anyways. So there's this family and, um, there's a, there's a two year old girl and, uh, I have a four year old and a two year old. So I see kids, you know, I have this my soft spot. And so this girl is hugging, their team and it's really sweet and you're just like, oh, it's awesome. You know, so cool. Literally they're filming this. They, the family gets in their car to drive away and they hit an IED like hundred yards down the road and the car blows up and, um, they blurred out a little bit, but it's pretty graphic. And this little two year old girl is on the side of the road and, and she's dying and she dies right there. And, um, <clears throat> up until this point, the free Burma Rangers, they're not, a, they're not a militant group. So they're not out there really fighting per se. And I had kind of, you know, up to that point been like, when is he going to start shooting bad guys? You know? And that at that point in the, in the movie, he goes, uh, something like ISIS just signed their death warrant. Like 
were taking it to him. And I was like, yes. And I was like, yeah, finally, like, let's, let's get some. Get up. Yeah. And then a few minutes later, he was like praying and he's like, no, Lord convicted me. Like, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And, um, you know, that that's not what the Lord's going to have me do. And I was like, what? Like, are you serious? And I paused the movie and I turned to my wife and I'm like, how's that justice? Like, how's that? Like, I was angry. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I'm just, it displeased me greatly <laughs> that he wasn't on the hunt for ISIS. But yeah. I think, it, you know, I can understand what Joan was probably feeling. And, and it was what, what was beautiful is that, um, you know, Mike Eubank understood that going after them in vengeance um, wouldn't be justice. That would be sinful right. because of the anger in his heart towards them. Right. And so um, later on, you know, he does have to take um, a few lives, um, but it was done out of uh, necessity um, and it was a, a justified shooting in that sense. But um, it's, it's, it's a good example of the difference between the two and, and how your heart um, um, makes all the difference. But I just was thinking about that, how like I was yeah. kind of guilty of the same thing Jonah did. And no, the, um, it's funny because like, yeah, Jonah, Jonah gets exceedingly displeased, right? Um, he actually says, and Jonah like is not shy about letting God know his feelings towards yeah. the events, towards God. Cause he says, and this is pretty bald. Like this is, he's got some, he's got some courage in him. I'll say, right. Mm-hmm. So verse three says, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me for it is Better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? And it's like, man, like Jonah, dude, you keep asking people to kill you, bro. Like <laughs> eventually, cause he's just like, he kind of like, a, I feel like he's a little bit of a pouty, like emo teenager. It's just like, this is, I'm done with this, you know? Um, but then God still, instead of like striking Jonah down, mm-hmm. God's patient with him. Right. Yeah. Jonah sits outside of the, um, outside of Nineveh. Right. And he sits out, uh, he sets up like a little outpost, just sitting there watching. Like you said, he's got a little perch, uh, but the sun was really hot. So God actually appointed a plant to provide some shade to Jonah. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really sure exactly what this plant was, uh, but God appointed this plant to give shade to Jonah. Yeah. So it's like, again, God continues to have patience and grace for this, this, arrogant little i guess unhappy displeased minor prophet that is jonah and um provided him some shade and to teach jonah like as as he said in in verse four like do you do well to be angry um to to kind of reemphasize this god appoints a worm in the night to kill and attack the plant and kill the plant and then jonah gets wakes up and he's pissed he's angry again right um and we see later on, verse 8, chapter 4, says, When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But verse 9, God said to Jonah, Do you do, you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. That's Jonah's like pouting response. Um, and Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perish in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. So you see, it's like God is, is faithful, right? Like to, and he created 
the Ninevites, like whether they turn away from her or not, like you can see God's grace and compassion throughout the entirety of the story of Jonah. Mm-hmm. But I think what compounds that for me, Josh, is God's grace. Like you can't give somebody grace unless you have some type of power over them. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I don't have any power over you. I'm going to say, Josh, I'm going to let you continue to live your life. It's like, well, it doesn't really mean anything because I didn't have control over your life. Right. But God does. And that's what makes it even that much more impactful when he displays and provides and gives us grace because he is clearly in control as we can see through Jonah. Um, and just like you said, like I mirror Jonah a lot more often than I probably think. Sure. Um, so it's, it's kind of, especially in our professions where it's, we get a lot, a lot of opportunities to meet some people who, you know, like you said, whether it be a drug dealer or somebody like that, or, or maybe a Marine or soldier, somebody who's come up from a really hard background, who has some bitterness, some, some hatred in their heart towards, towards, uh, towards God, towards believers, maybe it's, yeah. it's still our calling to be bold and share that knowledge of God with them. Cause who are we to say, no, that person shouldn't hear the word of God, right? Like who are we right. not to minister to them? Right. Yeah. And it's cool too, that, the Lord continues to use Jonah to fulfill his will. He doesn't go to the bench. Like, you know, the first time Jonah's like, nope, the Lord's like, all right, yoinked into the sea, yeeteth into the sea, and I'm going to bring in, you know, you know, some other dude, you know, and he's yeah. going to go to, and he's going to do the job. It's like, no, he uses Jonah again and again and again. And um, it's, it's reassuring in the sense that it's like, you know, God does big things through really broken, messed up, screwed up people. And even, you know, we have that conversation all the time, like, oh man, like who are we to, to, to run this ministry? Like who are we to run a, a, a mediocre podcast? You know, like uh, what can God, you know, we, we think about that. And it's like, you know what, like, yeah, we're just two normal dudes trying to obey the Lord. And like, you know, we're going to mess up. We're going to screw up. We're going to do dumb things. And we have done plenty of that since we started ETL. Right. Like maybe but, not record one episode. <laughs> But, you know, it's just like for whatever you, God's called you to do, I mean, we make mistakes, we, we screw up, we're going to, you know, embarrass him. Maybe we even, maybe we even um, you know, bring disdain or dishonor to the Lord. It's like, you know, while, while that's terrible, it's like we repent and, and the Lord still can continue to use you. And, you know, his grace is just so abundantly covering that we, we can never run out of his grace, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he removes our, our sin as far from the east as to the west. And, you know, every day his mercies are new. And so in remembering that, it's just, it's empowering and it's freeing yeah. to continue to be able to just walk forward in whatever God's calling you to do. Definitely. All right, well, I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us here at the Enter the Lion podcast. I uh, hope you got something out of it. If you want to enter some feedback, right? I'm not just talking to the one or two. Hopefully maybe some more people will join in the podcast later on. But Hi, Billy's mom. <laughs> She's Our a- listener. Yeah, our, and, and Nick. Uh, shout out to Nick. Thanks again for joining us at the Tenth Line Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you want to find out more about what we're doing, you can find us on social media or join us on our website, enterline.co. Again, that's enterline.co.